0: to An Unconventional Life. I'm Amanda. Uh,
1: And I'm Thea. Hi.
0: And uh, last week we uh, spoke about Thea's identity as she began to transition as a non-binary trans-feminine person. Um, And this week we're going to talk about um, how that has made me look at my identity as someone who who is always very strongly um, associated... That's not the word I want... Identified as um, a cisgendered heterosexual. And how that doesn't seem to really fit anymore. And we're going to have an interesting chat about how I might not have been straight all along. And just slightly repressed. is uh, smirking at me. So... Um, should we jump into how the, the moment that I suddenly thought, "Hang on a minute, this doesn't." We were in. We were in my bedroom. We were talking about something, mm-hmm. and um, it came up again. The, the conversation that we'd had a long time ago. We, we mentioned it last week. Mm-hmm. Um, how early on in our relationship. We were watching an episode of Doctor Who and you were more attracted to Captain Jack Harkness than I was and that was when we first talked about the fact that you were interested in men as well as women. And I was like, no, no, I'm I'm not interested in women. And you were like, not at all? You you didn't quite believe me. Um, And I was like, no. And we had this same conversation when you started to uh, change your identity And I remember very clearly the moment I said to you, I'm just not attracted to women and then I panicked and I was like, oh my God, you're going to think that I'm not going to be attracted to you because you're changing Mm. and that's not the case at all. I'm very much in love with you. I'm very attracted to you and... Mm -hmm. Hang on a minute. Can I still call myself straight if I'm attracted to you when you are no longer a man? Mm. You are a, a non-binary person, mm. um, and that kind of kicked off this whole. I don't want to say identity crisis. It's not a crisis. Questioning.
1: Questioning. I think it, what it did to you it did to you is you it broke your the paradigm that you'd always always thought was was there. Yeah. That that you were. Cisgendered, so you you knew what your gen- gender was at birth, and heterosexual, so you were attracted to the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it what it did is it it broke that paradigm that that was, was always been, and then it made you think, well, is this still relevant to me, mm-hmm. and how how do I go forward? How how does it? What does this mean for me? Does it mean anything, or does it mean something? And Mm. I, you know, it's it's interesting to to talk about mm. because I, I've obviously changed my my gender expression mm-hmm. to more feminine, mm. um, and I think people think that that means that the person changes somehow, mm. uh, and that can be the case, you know, with you if if you've always been seen someone in a certain light. And people, you know, that you're attracted to in a certain light, I think it can it can change how that.
0: But this is where we started to have this conversation about how you have changed, but you haven't changed. No, you're still exactly the same person that I fell in love with. Yeah. And we always joked about the fact that you were more like the woman in our relationship than I was. It was just one of those things, and that led me down that I that thought process of actually if i think about the type of um the type of guys that i'm attracted to Mm -hmm. they are always the softer gentler Mm -hmm. for want of a better word slightly more feminine guys i i'm if you think of gender as i know it's not a linear Mm -hmm. um spectrum but for the purposes of this conversation if you think of it as a as a linear Mm -hmm. spectrum with um the hyperfeminized version of women at one end and the hyper masculine version of men at the other end mm-hmm. I would always be closer to the middle I' mm-hmm. uh, say non-binaries in the middle I would always be closer to that and with a slight sway towards the more feminine
2: mm-hmm.
0: masculine side mm-hmm. than I would be the the the, the, the very masculine male
2: mm-hmm.
0: that doesn't that that doesn't interest me at all Mm
2: -hmm.
0: if i look at um if i look at like even going back to my teens and characters in programs that i was attracted to Mm -hmm. it was never the the
1: the muscle bound
0: yeah, it was never the one it was never the one that all my friends were interested yeah. in. It was always the slightly quirky, slightly nerdy, slightly geeky, very soft, very gentle, not the heartthrob. It was never the heartthrob. It was always the the the, the slightly s- left field as they say. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, you could say that. Um
2: <laughs>
0: Love how much I amuse you with these. <laughs> Um, and and I look back and I think, have I just been repressing these, these, because I seemed to fit the mold of what it was to be heterosexual, Mm -hmm. I never questioned it. And now I am. And there's a difference between, like we talked about sexuality and gender. I am very, very secure in my gender
1: identity and your gender expression
0: yeah very very secure even though i'm not uh typically stereotypically Mm
1: -hmm.
0: feminine in many many ways and there's lots of times when i go i just don't understand women like what (laughs) what is going on Mm -hmm. um that to me isn't an issue i still feel very very secure in my expression as a woman but my sexuality I'm not so secure in, I'm not so... Mm -hmm. Like, you've always asked me, are you not attracted to women? And I'll go, well, you know, I think women, I can look at a woman and I can go, she's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I can appreciate that. But I don't have a desire to be in a relationship with her. Mm -hmm. But then I'm like, is that just a convention that I followed? Because I was attracted to guys and therefore I was just like, oh, I'm attracted to guys, I'll just go with that.
1: Also, how much how much of society and what surrounds you has an impact on that if you never see anybody who is queer or slightly off center you don't see any nerdy people uh, we as we didn't in when in the 80s and 90s if you were a a nerd you were you were ostracized (laughs) and if you liked comic books and nerdy things it wasn't seen as cool no. and then, in the early 2000s, that totally changed and mm. nerdy people were seen as cool were seen as and so what it was is it was there was more people who were getting older who were nerds essentially, mm. and they were bringing that culture of of slightly repressed um fixated on things, be you know geeky culture as well mm.
2: um,
1: how much of that swirling around you as a child plays into it a lot of it, especially.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, talking about nerd culture and stuff i was I mean I was a teenager who watched as much sci-fi and fantasy as I possibly could. I was a huge Star Trek fan, and there were some things I didn't watch. You were surprised when we met and I'd never watched Star Wars, but that was just because my family hadn't watched it. Mm. Um, but it's and in many ways that wasn't something that girls did when I was a teenager. None of my other, like my friends would watch things like Buffy and Angel because they were very much popular culture at the time, yeah. yeah. But Stargate, Star Trek, um,
1: the, the more fantastical, yeah, people they weren't interested,
0: they didn't in watch that. it. There was no one I could talk to about that. But I would be like, I'd go out and buy the magazines. And when I uh, was babysitting, I started babysitting sitting at the age of 14, and I'd get 10 pounds for the night. I'd go out and I'd spend half of that buying a new voyager novel Mm -hmm. and then put the other half away my savings and that was what i did and Mm -hmm. it was so different to what my friends were doing Mm. um i I don't really know exactly what this has got to do with with sexuality but it's it's the point is i i was different yeah um
1: it's it's to do with it because it's it's the culture that, that surrounds you mm. and we draw from what is around us mm. as human beings we draw from from everything that surrounds us all the things technology culture art pop culture as well what's mm. popular you know what's not as well mm. there's there was a lot of the things that weren't that weren't necessarily cool and you didn't want to be seen as a nerd I no. remember that very much growing no. up. That if you were a nerd or, or geek, <laughs> you hid have, it away. You had to hide it. You yeah. had to be. You had to say oh, I have nerd leanings or, or geek leanings, because if you didn't, you could be ostracized mm. from the group. Mm. Nowadays, it's not as so cut and dry and mm. black and white as well. I think, I think what 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 the thing is, there's lots more shades of grey in our society than people would like to um, like to admit to. Mm. There's a lot more things which blur the line between what we know and what we don't know. Mm. So, and that's okay. That's totally okay to have to be in that grey area and to think, well, I'll, I don't know one way or, or I don't know the other way. Mm. And you know, I think, I think a lot of the time it, it's 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 not necessarily what you take to be. Um, attractive in some ways and you know i think there's physical attraction but also there's emotional intelligence and emotional attraction and um, you know are you suited to each other on a, on a level where you can just talk all the time mm. do you you know th- i think there's a lot more depth to things than you know there is a lot of depth to, to most things and mm. And often the time, we're just kind of scratching the surface because as humans, we just have this monkey brain going off on directions and different tangents. Mm. And so we, we, just, we just try and make sense of it the best we can at, with, the, with the information we have at the time.
0: And I think that's what's been happening for me. I've, I've suddenly realised that what I assumed to be true about myself for all this time possibly wasn't. But I wasn't in a place where I could question it. And I think that's where I'm at now. I I said to you, I feel like a bit of a fraud saying that I'm part of the LGBTQ community because I still don't feel like I I fit in there. But actually, I have to keep reminding myself that the Q doesn't stand just for queer, but also for questioning. Mm -hmm. And that's very much where I'm at at the moment. Mm. Um, And like I said to you, I'm kind of excited because I always thought it'd be, it'd be cool to be part of this community. Like, I know that the community has all these, like, awful things I have to deal with in life. Why would you want to be part of a marginalised community? But there was something that was drawing me in and I didn't know what it was, but it w- it was obviously there's something in my brain that was going, hang on, there's something there, there's something about you that's not Yeah. not what you think you are. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something in there that is attracting you to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's made me look back at my entire life and how I dealt with relationships throughout it all. Yeah. So, you know, I was 23 when I met you. you. You were the first and only person I've ever had a relationship with. Mm-hmm. Um, I was teased by... My, I remember my sister and my dad once teasing me about how um, I was overly picky. And I put it down to, oh, I just don't see the point of investing time in a relationship if it's not going to go anywhere. Mm. But actually, I was scared. Mm. That's what it was. And I can admit that I was scared. I was scared of intimacy. I was scared of... Um, being so vulnerable with someone and it's not that i didn't want a relationship i knew i wanted a relationship i'd always known that i knew i wanted to grow it one of the only ways i am very traditional like i'm very unconventional in many ways but one of the ways i'm very traditional is i always knew i wanted to grow up get married and have a family
1: yeah absolutely same here
0: and so um
1: and that's the that's the thing you can still have untraditional elements as Mm -hmm. well as be quite traditional in a lot of ways Mm. Um, you know I go to church every Sunday Mm -hmm. you know but that doesn't take away from who I am Mm. and having you know just having faith in something is something that a lot of people don't have and you know but you can still be interested in what you like and I think you know we it's so easy to put things in boxes mm-hmm. <laughs> um so
0: oh i thought you were gonna carry on sorry <laughs> <No>. <laughs> i didn't want to interrupt um so yeah i was i was thinking about this that i wanted a relationship but i was scared uh a lot of it was as a teenager mm. i was very timid
1: can i ask you a question yeah
0: yeah of course you can.
1: did you have did you ever have boys That you fancied growing up in your school
0: no no this is the weirdest thing there was never a boy in my school that i no there was sorry there was but only when i was in sixth form
1: no okay this not sixth form
0: before sixth form no No, not at all i had no male friends and there were no boys that i thought oh there
1: and did anyone ever pay you an attention any attention
0: no no but, I've told you this before, I was terrified that the only reason someone would show me attention would be for a dare. I think I watched too many of these teenage programmes where... You they were took scared the, they took of being the, used. Yeah, they, mean, took, essentially. they took the nerdy girl, how many films were there around that oh, time, yeah, in the yeah. Ne- yeah. 90s, where they took the nerdy geeky girl and they made her all pretty and it was all for a dare and... And I was terrified of that. I mean, you've got to remember, my teen years were not easy. So yeah, um, I started year seven weighing something ridiculous like four and a half stone. I was ridiculously tired. You could count my ribs. I mm. was really underweight. By the time I reached year ten, eleven, 11, I was 10 stone. So I'd over doubled my weight yeah. in my teen years. So I changed a lot. Yeah. I also had really wonky teeth that... Like, my mouth was a mess, yeah. um, and I didn't get braces fitted till I was 16, because it was so complicated, it had to be done at the hospital. I had dodgy joints,
2: yeah. I
0: had uh, undiagnosed endometriosis. Mm-hmm. My teen years were so fraught that there was no... I, I look back and I think there's no, re- no, no wonder that I felt so ungainly and so unattractive and so... But then I still say that today. You'll go, oh, you're so beautiful. Go, I'm not. I get all shy. And I you only think that because you love me. and <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just often say uh, I love you to people I don't <laughs> find attractive in some form, you know, yeah. even if it's just a platonic relationship.
0: But I remember my teen years thinking no one would ever find me attractive. And but I didn't.
1: But why?
0: I don't know. I just didn't. I still don't. I still think. Why would anyone find me attractive?
2: Yeah.
0: Um. It's not something that I've ever felt about myself. I'm like, I've got a really long face, and my nose is too big, and, you know, it's. I just, but it's.
1: But it's never. You're picking. You're just picking out random bits, then. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Because we're not just. But we're I, not just our nose or no, our face. We're everything. I
0: know, and I never ever that This is that. This is what I want to say. I never. Doubted that I was emotionally attractive yeah. and emotionally beautiful. Mm-hmm. I've always felt very secure in the fact that I'm a compassionate, passionate, very loving person. That was fine. I was like, if someone got to know me.
1: Did you? Did you talk a lot? No. 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 Not even you within, within your friend groups or about what just just chat did you just chat or did
0: we did were
1: you really shy and too was it
0: i was all right with people i was friends with
1: that's what i mean if
0: i was friends with someone i was fine but if i was with someone who i didn't really know i wouldn't speak i spent most of my teen years not speaking um i was terrified of my own voice not just speaking but I, i i told you my friend persuaded me to join her church choir um and it was like four part harmonies and i couldn't i i couldn't read music and i didn't know the songs and the choir master made me soprano and it's it's impossible to sing soprano when you're terrified so i spent seven months miming like i was so terrified of my own voice i sometimes wonder why on earth i went to university and did german and russian which required me to use my voice constantly not only in english but in two different languages i mean
1: perhaps you felt you you needed to push yourself in those areas because you knew that that was the struck bit that you struggled with was communicating Mm. you know finding your own voice i think
0: and that's one of the reasons i i got into blogging Mm -hmm. because it was easier for me to express myself in the written word
1: and did you find it easier to, to to chat to people online
0: yes and then when I met them in person, I'd be a completely different person. would be like, why is she so quiet? <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm better now. I've I've got to a point where, if you think about it, doing a degree where you're constantly being um, judged and marked for speaking in another language, get to a point where you speak about yourself in English, it's so much easier that I don't mm. think about it. And I, I, I've had... Um, I've had people say oh you could talk to anyone about anything and i can now and i think if you told me this would be what i was like if you told me when i was 16 that i would be recording a podcast to go out to the internet which you know Mm. didn't even they didn't even exist podcasts back then um i wouldn't have believed you Mm. i'm like that's that's not me yeah
1: what would i have to say (laughs) what would you have to say
0: oh how would i say it yeah um, yeah. So I don't know how much of my lack of relationship was due to lack of attraction. How much of it was just fear based? But it,
1: could, it, can it, could it be also the fact that you, you had all that to deal with, all the problems with your health, and you felt vulnerable mm-hmm. anyway? And I didn't like being and vulnerable. And you felt vulnerable because of puberty, and you were ill before that. Yeah. So coming into puberty, you felt vulnerable, and you can feel even more vulnerable as you go through puberty.
2: Yeah.
1: And you were academically driven in a lot of ways, whether it was through um, societal pressure to do well or your internal. But you always would do your homework, for example.
0: Oh yeah, I was a total nerd. Yeah. That's why I say I'm a nerd, not a geek. You
2: know, I was like. <laughs> I was like completely whereas, not Whereas deleted. with
1: me, homework was something to be negav- uh, negotiated around. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps with the teacher for the next three weeks. Yeah, I've forgotten it again. <laughs> oh, dear. So, yeah, it's interesting to see that.
0: I was an awkward teenager.
1: Yeah, but you conformed in a lot of ways.
0: Oh, yeah. I was scared not to. Yeah. And if I think about the fact that when, when I thought about my future it was always with a man Mm -hmm. how much of that was conformity though like you say
1: Mm.
0: and how much of it is lack of exposure to Mm -hmm. alternative
1: but also i think people are we're all individuals and sometimes it can just be finding that right person Mm. and i think for me and you in some ways we needed to find that right person Mm -hmm. we didn't need to try a lot of people
2: yeah
1: do you know what I mean there's people there are people who are quite happy to uh, have multiple relationships or relationships which are more complicated or to to have a certain amount of a relationship and then end it and con- continue with another one and that's fine people can do exactly what they want but I think that wasn't the paradigm we had we were very traditional in a lot of ways mm-hmm. We just wanted a relationship with someone mm. who was committed mm. and you could connect with on a on a deeper level.
0: And it had to be a deeper level. Um, there was only one person before you that I thought I could see myself being in a proper relationship with. Mm-hmm. Didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and then before, I, the, the, the reason I met you was because I was in my 20s and I was working in a very female uh, environment mm-hmm. and I was like I'm never going to meet anyone here and a lot of them didn't have anything in common with me either a lot of the people I worked with and I didn't go clubbing, I didn't go um, drinking, I didn't go anywhere and so I was like "I'm gonna if I'm ever going to find anyone I'm going to have to do something about this and that's why I started online dating um, and I met a couple of people before you and didn't really go anywhere and then I met you. And from like the first time we met,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I knew that it was special because we just, there was no awkwardness. There was no, we just started talking as if we'd known each other for ages
2: mm-hmm.
0: and we just clicked on a level, but my fear was still there. And I remember saying to you, I want to see if we can be friends first. And that was fear speaking. That was fear of intimacy. And as we got closer, like I'd come down to visit you and uh, we'd go to the cinema and I'd like leap out the car before you could kiss me. (laughs) And uh, when you came to stay with us once and we were watching something late at night and I was looking at your hand and I desperately wanted to hold your hand, but I didn't want to because I was scared of where that would lead to because I was scared. And I put it down to, I was scared that I would be bad at kissing because I was like, in my 20s, how, how have I got to this point in my life and not kissed somebody? Well, this is you the know. thing, and
1: I think that's that's why, I think that's what, if you have that ability to be an extrovert and to go out and date people on a just a dating level, mm. I think that's quite useful. You just, if it's a very a light relationship you can have and it's just, you know, um, having a snog with someone and dating them for a little while i think that's where that helps because then you you just it's just something you know yeah well d- that's not me d- no i know absolutely <laughs> absolutely i, I, I don't and, and but what i mean is and that's not me either i never had that kind of mm. ability to go on a casual thing if i did it would just it, you know it I, I had too many emotions to, mm. to 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 do that i needed to find someone who i could explore things deeper than than just the surface kind of pleasantries i suppose Mm. um but but yeah i think that that's where that is an advantage in life but if you're a nerd or a geek or or you come within that realm i think the awkwardness is is what makes any kind of social interaction harder Mm. if you can find a club if you can find a thing to do where you can meet other people. That's where, you know, um, most people don't meet someone down the pub, but mm. that was where you had to kind of go. It was pubs or clubs if you wanted to try and meet someone. And I didn't drink. No, you didn't drink. And you've
0: said that to me before. I never had the, um, I never had the advantage of having a bit of alcohol to take yeah. away those nerves.
1: Yeah, because it it, it gives you, it, it what it does is it is drops your inhibitions.
0: Mm, I never had that. I was so, always tightly wound.
1: So <laughs> if you're able to, you know, I'm not saying drinking is good or bad in any way, you know, it's people's choice in the end. Mm. But having a drink has a certain effect on you. Mm. And that can actually make things easier. Mm. As you know, they make social interactions easier if you're f- finding it awkward. Mm. Um, and if you don't have that, then what do you? How do you? How do you? You know how is, the world's a different place in a lot of ways mm. because you would still have to. If you did go out, you wouldn't drink, but you would be around people who would be drinking and would be lowering their inhibitions.
0: And that's and intimidating that, in itself
1: because they would be more out of control. Yeah, than you would be.
0: And you know me; I don't like being out of control. Exactly.
1: And, and you, you, you know, you've had to, de- you've had to deal with people doing that and actually it's not much fun <laughs> no. if, if you know not if you much you're fun not... being a sober person yeah it can be yeah it can be it can be quite intimidating mm. especially if it's no i'm not saying just to like having a pint uh, or, or just having a drink but when people are really going out to
0: which is what it was get like drunk, yeah it absolutely. Was like that it when was we were a, young
1: it was a uh, getting drunk as quickly as possible yeah, as much as possible as well. But. They'd
0: be like, I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna get absolutely mm-hmm. hammered tonight and I'd be like, Why? You came into you came into lectures the other week with a terrible hangover. Why? And I could never understand mm-hmm. this because I never got that
1: payoff. Payoff. Ne- I literally the...
0: would have half a drink and I'd hit hangover symptoms straight away. Never got any of the jolly stuff out of it, so there was no point.
1: And to in an early in our relationship, I tried to introduce you to various different types of drink because I was a drinker, and mm. um, it never worked. No. <laughs> it just didn't work. It, you would have a little bit, you could have a tiny bit, like a, so a, you sip. Could have a sip of whiskey or something. But if you had any more, it would just make you feel ill. And yeah. like, why would you do that to yourself? Why would you make yourself willingly feel ill? Yeah. And, you know, it's, I think it's interesting that, that, that there's lots of things that are interconnected, which make things easier or harder Mm. to find out who you are in the world. Mm. Um, you know, I think it's interesting that you, that when you're getting older as well, you're, you're, you're in a safer position now than you have been Mm. some in a lot of ways and in our relationship we're in a we're very comfortable and mm. you know so yeah. so you can actually question things that that you thought might you know and you don't have to make a decision either way i think no i think a lot of the time people fall in love with the person mm. not not the gender not the sexuality mm. they fall in love with the person because they match them on a level. And now it mm. could be that could be that they're both very extravagant and that's what you like. Or they could be very quiet and that's what you like. Mm. And so I think there's, you know, like I said before, there's this grey areas. And I think when you're in safe, in safer environments, and, and nowadays as there's, people are talking about different things, different things with gender and different things with identity, um, you, you can actually safely question these things uh, and talk to people about them and just just investigate how it is with with other people and how it is with you Mm. and and it's i think it's a useful exercise and i think it's been essential for you to just try and identify what you know what you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with as well
0: well it takes a certain amount of vulnerability and as i've said i'm very bad at being vulnerable like that's something I've been working on in therapy be, like we've been together for 14 years, we've been married for 10 and I've been ill for a lot of that and you'd think that I would be very good at being taken care of but I'm not I've had to work with on therapy on letting you in, letting you take care of me, that's not, that's not to say that you, you aren't there ready and willing you are a carer, that is your natural disposition but I don't like being out of control mm-hmm. um and this was, this was a big thing at the beginning of our relationship. Do you remember mm-hmm. how I, I almost screwed up our relationship before it started? And it was only because you were, you were the one that was able to remain calm in it mm-hmm. that I didn't. Um, so to explain for the listeners who don't know what I'm talking about, we reached a point where... People had kind of assumed we were together when we weren't, and then our relationship developed into. Uh, you came up to visit one weekend, and I must have known that it was going to move on because do you remember I was cooking dinner for you before you got there?
2: Yeah.
0: And I'd come out in hives on my hand.
2: Yes. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah.
0: And I thought it was because the heat had upset like my ex it, but I had like I'd come out in hives. I was ang- so anxious, <laughs> and. And then what happened was we were in my bedroom and we were watching something and you started to kiss me and I became so overwhelmed, but I could not tell you that. I felt so ashamed and so silly. I could not tell you that. And we were also in a position we we talked about recently. I was like, I didn't understand even, even until very recently, I didn't understand why I had such a strong reaction um, to the point where I became anxious, that made me feel sick which made me more anxious and the whole weekend went on like this it's
1: kind of cycling
0: until Sunday morning I threw up and went. I'm going to bed and left you with my parents and my parents thought that my dad said to me I thought you'd gone off him and he just wasn't getting the, uh, um, the message and I mean you, you went were,
1: off into the bedroom yeah left you to cry or something <laughs> and, and so I sat down in your living room and just put the TV on <laughs> and waited for something to happen. <laughs> and I wasn't sure if I was outstaying my welcome or if I needed to do something. So it was like...
0: Oh, you you won my parents' um, approval that day so And much. what I did
1: is I played it cool. <laughs> I just thought, yeah, I'll watch some Sunday morning TV and uh, and just see how... What happens? That was was the. Uh, And so eventually, I think what happened is you calmed down.
0: I I went to sleep and I calmed down. And my mum came through to see if I was alright and said, "Um, You want to see her before she goes home. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And you came and you checked I was alright. You said goodbye and you went. And then the next day, I sent you a text message and I said, I'm really sorry about yesterday. I don't know what happened. Mm -hmm. And you replied, if you want to go back to being friends that's okay and in that moment my heart (laughs) sank to my stomach like full on and I spent the rest of the day trying desperately to get hold of you to go no 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 that's not what I want and in that moment I knew without a doubt that I wanted to be with you because the the strength of the reaction I had I was so confused up until that point I was like maybe I don't want relationship but the strength of my reaction was so strong
1: yeah i was confused and so i thought i need to make sure that what what's happening is something you actually want to happen mm. and one of the things that you techniques you can kind of learn is that you have to you have to say well actually do you just want that do you just want the friendship
2: mm.
1: or do you want more
2: mm.
1: and it had to be very simple in that way i said it because you know i I, I was in my my heart was in my mouth when i said that Mm. because obviously i I didn't i wanted to be more than just friends Mm. but i needed to know whether it was worth me continuing to try and um you know with you or if it was something that I was just, you know, because of your reaction, I was like, Does "She just not like me," and I've just kind of forced myself on her in some way, which is, you know, not true. Um, because we were friends, we, we, you know, even before we first met, we were talking over emails and things mm-hmm. like that. So I would get these great big texts, <laughs> the great, great big essays from you, and I still have them somewhere. Um, and I, with, and I would literally have to take notes <laughs> <laughs> to answer your emails. I would li- so, point one, she's asked this question. Point two, she's asked this question. <laughs> literally, and I would have to break it down and then kind of try and come up with something that looked half intelligent. <laughs> and I can imagine for you it was so easy because you, when you write, it just kind of flows out of you. But mm. for me, it's like... Either, you know even now it's it's, it's a struggle mm. so mm. that was always fun but y- y- you know your passion always come through in, mm. in your writing and you and also your that you you were passionate about things and I wasn't sure if you were passionate about our relationship mm. you know
0: mm. and I was
1: the you thing were is, but I you was couldn't just, show that
0: no and I was completely overwhelmed and um, and I'd always like I'd always imagine I, I wanted to I wanted to get to the point in a relationship where I was comfortable and we were almost like an old married couple. I didn't like that
1: Is uncertainty
0: your... at the beginning. No, it look... was you know a lot of people they love that it, that, yeah. that, that
1: will be... they won't they yeah the beginning the excitement the, the dance so I to speak.
0: I hated it so much <laughs> and um, and I mean we took things very quickly. We we met online in like.
2: April May 2007
0: yeah. by the end of March 2008 I had relocated and moved in with you
2: Yeah.
0: Um, we took things very very quickly when it got going because we were such a good match but it took a long time to get to that point and like we were talking about it um, I even until very recently I was like why did I have such a strong reaction to you kissing me and even to this day sometimes I'm like I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of kissing. Mm. I, I enjoy it sometimes, but other times I'm like, don't, don't, ugh, no, no,
1: too wet. Too wet. <laughs> yes. um, kisses being by their nature quite can be quite not, sloppy. But, but it's so not maybe. that I
0: don't like kisses. Like I'll quite <laughs> happily kiss you on the cheek and and stuff. It's something to do with the mouth. And I was like, why do I have this issue with my mouth?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And and we talked about how I had like this real aversion to small plastic things
1: yeah and I was poking and prodding you as like a... to the
0: point if I saw a small plastic thing like you know you open a carton of milk or would, juice and it's got it would a thing,
1: visibly make you feel sick it
0: would yeah it would make me feel like gagging and we could not figure out what this was and you were yeah. like we're <laughs> gonna get to the bottom of this once and for all
1: well see that's my that's the, th- the years in therapy coming through through me <laughs> Because uh, it was just like I want to know why. I want to know why this is this is this, this thing's going. So one day I poked and prodded, and we eventually found it out that you had had um, you'd basically been attacked by a so-called friend at school. Well,
0: she wasn't a friend. She was a friend of someone. Friend
1: I, of a friend.
0: But it, it wasn't even a friend. It was just someone so some, I walked home with.
1: Someone you walked home with, and there someone they knew come up um basically assaulted you yeah assaulted you pushed leaves in your mouth
0: no grass pinned me to the ground, ground
1: yeah
0: ripped up grass and shoved it in my mouth yeah and then while i was trying to get that out of my mouth put stuff in my bag and i mean you imagine trying to get shredded grass out of your mouth
1: it's a, it's a nightmare Blech. It's
0: horrible. but the weirdest thing is i remember me saying to you the reaction I have is kind of like the reaction someone would have if they'd gone through a really traumatic event. But I've never gone through a really traumatic event that would do anything like that. <laughs> I was going, I've never done anything. Like, I was really lucky when I was at school. No well, one had ever really did anything. I had this
1: episode where me. my friends, my, someone but, I knew, no, someone but I But I
0: said to you, unless I've re- repressed it. And I said that jokingly. And then you kept poking. And then all of a sudden, I remembered it. And I genuinely had forgotten that this thing had happened.
1: Because you've repressed it because it was so horrific and and it was a traumatic event.
0: And I never told anyone. Never told my parents, never told my friends, never told anyone about it. I literally just repressed this thing because I felt so ashamed about what happened. And so once I remembered that thing had Mm -hmm. happened, I was suddenly like, oh my goodness, that's why I freaked out. Because not only did you kiss me for the first time, but we were on my bed and you were laying partially across me. Mm -hmm. And so my body had this very visceral reaction Mm. to not being pinned down, but being in a very vulnerable prone position with something that I had no control of on my mouth. And suddenly it made sense. I was like, no wonder I freaked out.
1: It was like, it was the Eureka. Aha! I found it! (laughs) I found the source of your discomfort. (laughs) But it was so... It was so... Awful what happened to you.
0: And I still don't fret frame You you still know
1: you still... It's almost like post-traumatic stress. You, you you had an event, something that happened to you, that somebody forced... Some, you know, got you into a position. It was bigger than me. Yeah. Because
0: I was tiny.
1: Yeah. You were vulnerable. Yeah. In a position, and someone basically stuffed stuff in your mouth. And probably found it quite amusing oh yeah she thought
0: it was hilarious
1: yeah and so that's that that's an that's shame that's that's degrading you Mm
2: -hmm. that's
1: you know it's if i went up to someone in the street and did that to them i would get arrested
0: oh don't get me wrong, if that happened to someone else, I would be like, how awful for you. You need some support. But when it happens to me, I'm like, just get
2: yourself together,
1: woman. Like, like no, that's not on. I'm not having it. I'm not having it. It was a traumatic episode. I know. Although, yeah, kids do stupid stuff when they're young. But the fact is that it was traumatic because you, you didn't remember it. No. no. But there was always something that lived within you that hadn't dealt with that mm. because if we don't talk about these things that happen to us that are traumatic mm. if we don't tell somebody and speak about it and get it out of our heads then it festers mm. and it becomes things it, it becomes more complicated to deal with these things later on in life because you can't you, you don't know what it is why, why why am i bothered about these things that are you know, mm. not on the surface, they're not threatening. Mm. A kiss is not threatening. Mm. Having a hug, you know, with someone is not threatening. Taking something off a milk thing is not th- threatening, but it's that also that, that, it's, that it's that connection with that, that trauma. Mm. Um,
0: Which is why I come back to this question of I've always thought I was straight. Was that just because I was repressed? Because, let's be fair, I'm someone who's very, very good at intellectualising and analysing
2: things, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but I'm not very good at feeling them. No. I'm emotionally constipated, (laughs) for want of a better word. Like, I said to you, I I, I still find it difficult. I can look back and go, that was a horrific thing that happened, but I can't feel it.
1: I can well, we. I can sense that in when you when you were talking about it, when you originally talked about it, you were. It was like, oh yeah, they did this thing where they just stuffed, and I was like,
0: you were how dare they!
1: <laughs> I want to kill them even now. <laughs> you weren't even angry. That was the thing. You weren't even angry.
0: No, I've detached myself from it completely.
1: And uh, and I, you know, you you should feel justifiable anger about that. Mm. You know.
0: But that's the way I deal with most trauma, and let's be fair—that a lot we've dealt with a lot of trauma over the last few years.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I tend to just repress.
1: It's that old British. I'm
0: not very good at being vulnerable. Stiff
1: up a lip. <laughs> but I
0: look back, at, I, this is something that happened when I was very, very young. I, at seven years old, I got a concussion from a chair falling on my head that landed me. It was such a bad concussion, I ended up in hospital for two days. And yet my immediate response when the chair fell off the table onto my head and the teacher said to me, are you all right? Was, mm, I'm fine and try not to cry. At seven years old, what seven year old, when they get whacked on the head by a chair, doesn't immediately cry and look for comfort?
2: Yeah.
0: From a very young age, for whatever reason... I was not comfortable with expressing emotion yeah. and seeking comfort and seeking support. And mm-hmm. this is why, like I say, I'm in my 30s and I'm only just in therapy starting to work out how to be vulnerable around people.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And it seems interesting that it's now that I'm starting to question all of this and
2: mm-hmm.
0: question so much about myself and my life. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: how many times have I just gone, that's not me? But actually, it
1: might be. I've just not. I think. I think with these things, a lot of the time we don't know the answers. Hmm. We don't know the answers. But I think what helps is is, is asking the questions. Hmm. And if you just a question thing is is, is is a great thing in life. It's a you know, hmm. it's it's just to look at things from a different point of view for a different for a little bit of time to understand somebody else differently yeah. and you know it might not be your point of view and it might not fit you and you think okay that's not really for me but they're okay to be however they want to be mm. and i think in the end i think it's our relationships the the relationships we form more important than the, you know the periphery stuff you know mm. it's it's just being able to connect people with people on a on a really deeper level mm. I think that's what I always enjoyed with with friend friendships and um, I was kind of craved that that deepness and I, I never felt I could get it growing up either you know it mm. it was feeling uncomfortable in yourself mm um but not really knowing why (laughs) i think a lot of the time and yes you get most teenagers get a form of that but i think i think if you are anywhere on the kind of spectrum of um you just feel a difference that Mm -hmm. you know and i think the good thing nowadays is there are communities out there that support people um and help you feel um you know, happy in however however you want to be yeah. um, but also I think we need to be able to be able to have people who are in the grey area
2: yeah.
1: you know it's it's not always easy sometimes people want that, that you know I'm in a lot of ways very black and white yeah. um
0: but i uh, sorry we just noticed that the postman's coming so uh, (laughs) apologies for the uh, doorbell uh, playing in the background um just wait for Thea to get back from the door okay so um I'm very much in that uh that gray area that not knowing that um that questioning side of things and i feel like i don't feel i don't feel like i'm straight but i don't know what i am yeah but i don't think i can call myself straight anymore Mm -hmm. because i am attracted to you Mm -hmm. and no matter what it's, it's never been a question it's never been a question for me no, am I still attracted to you? It's 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 not even something I have to think about.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. So I think I fell in. It's like you say, you fall in love with the person, but it has made me question: Do I find other? Do I find women attractive? Do, we we've gone through this, haven't we? We've gone maybe maybe you're on the asexual spectrum because you know sometimes you you don't like the intimacy, and I'm like yeah, but I think that is circumstantial.
2: Yeah.
0: That's circumstantial to the trauma yeah and it's also circumstantial to my health issues let's be fair sex isn't easy because of my health issues we mm-hmm. have to make sure that i'm properly supported so my hips don't pop out and you know all these things and i don't mm-hmm. feel very well and you know it's it's not that i'm not sexually interested i'm quite happy to read erotic fiction i i'm not do, do you know what i mean i don't think i'm there
2: no
0: um but i went through the phase of am i that and I had to question that and I had to really think about that
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, we went through the whole could you see yourself with another woman and I was like well I could see myself curling up on the sofa with another woman and, and watching a film and talking about my day but I don't know whether I'd want to have sex with her And, but then I go am I just repressing myself again and this was the thing I wanted to say to you that I said <laughs> I, want, I really want your, your response on the podcast I don't want to say this to you before but yesterday I was watching, no, I wasn't watching. I was reading an article. You know those random articles yeah, you sure. get? And it was about actors who have appeared in a sh- TV show or film, mm-hmm. no, TV show, as more than one character. And one of the ones was Karen Gillen from Doctor Who. She yeah. was Amy Pond. But before she was Amy Pond, she played this, like, soothsayer, seer person. And she looked completely different because she had, like, makeup on and stuff. Her face was white. And and I was really looking at the differences in her, her facial features and saying, would I have recognised her as this person when she was all made up? And I was drawn to the, the, the look of her lips and the shape of her lips, and I was like, they're really lovely lips. And then I was like, and I suddenly remembered that in my life, sometimes I've thought, God, you know, men are really lucky that they get to to fall in love with women because women are so pretty
1: do you know i think a lot of people would probably agree with you in some ways i think i think we just we are just drawn to what we we are drawn to and you know you don't have to be put it into any kind of category i think if you find art a piece of art beautiful Mm. then that's very subjective isn't it Mm. um and for a lot of people, that's the same with humans. Mm. We might find someone beautiful mm. and we might find someone attractive, but they might be completely opposite to what we actually know. Mm. We might find, you know, if we're a man, or, you know, we might find a, another man very attractive and desirable because he's, you know, it, it might be something that they, you admire, but also actually. It goes deeper than that. I think people feel that, that you know, actually, yes, if I was a woman, I wouldn't mind going out with that person too. You know?
0: Yeah, and it's that whole thing about um, attraction as well. So, like, we were talking about... A while ago, we were talking about... I actually... I really appreciate the female form. Like, if I was to look at a naked man and a naked woman... I would much rather look at a naked woman, to be honest, because she's got these lovely soft curves and waves, and and. But I've always got to not. I don't want to have sex with another woman. Yeah. But then why? What if I'm attracted to that body? Is it just a convention? Is am I just repressing something in myself? And 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 mm. and, and we've talked about why am I attracted to the male characters? If I'm if I'm watching something, why is it the male characters that attract me? And I think some of that comes down to wanting to be protected.
2: Yeah.
0: And if you think about all the things that we've talked about in this podcast, how I struggle to be vulnerable. I really struggle to be vulnerable, but there is a part of me that wants to be vulnerable and wants to be protected and wants Mm. to be. And in my mind, the very, the connection I make to that is I want a man to be able to wrap me up and keep me safe and, but, I never thought about a woman doing
1: that. But what you're so asking for, essentially, I believe, mm-hmm. is to be nurtured. Yeah. To be nurtured. Now, you can be nurtured by a man
0: or a woman. Or a woman. Mm-hmm. But it's different.
1: But, but no, but that, that society's. society tells you that it's different. It tells you that it's different to be nurtured by a man than it is to be a woman. But mm-hmm. actually, that's not really the case. I think people are. If you, 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 we've got to take people on a more individual, case by case basis. Mm. If someone comes up to you and is treats you nicely and is kind, and gentle, and you get on with them, then, you know, that's great. Does it matter whether they present in a certain way or?
0: No, no, and I don't think they do. And and your transitioning has really made me realise that it doesn't doesn't
1: matter no. how someone presents No, it's you know it i think we're in an age where things are so easily changeable mm. for 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 example changing my name on any kind of app or online is just as simple as going in deleting my old name putting my new name that's it that's mm. done mm. so but society has put different roadblocks to make it a little bit harder so having to go further you know i'm having to get send off of documentation i'm having to do you know so it this there's there's lots of these things which i think kind of cross over and and
0: we've got to remember as well that we grew up in a period of time when oh what's it called what's it called is it section 28 yeah, that what
1: it, was yeah. Called? it was yeah still
0: where it wasn't lgbt stuff was never taught in schools no. we how many times do we have sex education and it was literally can you put a condom on a carrot do you know how to have safe sex that was it there was never any discussion about attraction different types of attraction different I, types of
1: i personally remember a lot of things scaring the bejesus out of me about Things with AIDS and HIV, because yes, there was the endless, huge... endless things about it was all very negative, Endless talks wasn't it? and yeah, and it was just like, uh, okay, I don't want any of that because I don't want to die. <laughs> yeah, and
0: that was all that you really saw about. Yeah,
1: and that was the closest you could get to it, and it was almost like, if you do this, you will get this, mm. pretty much. Mm. And and the thing is, it, you know, it wasn't. You, you you couldn't talk about it in schools, and it was a very much taboo thing. And
0: and it was one of those things that we were aware of because you know my my cousin's gay. Mm-hmm. I I was aware that it
2: was a thing was a you, thing. Yeah,
0: but I didn't really understand it. Mm-hmm. And that has come that has come over the past I would say the past ten years. Mm-hmm. I've really started to understand it. Um... But from a very early stage of that, I've been like, I want to speak out and support uh, those in the LGBT community. And I felt that passion, but I didn't understand why I necessarily felt that passion. And like you said to me this morning, I was telling you about the book I'm reading and you were like, this year, you have read so much LGBTQ fiction. Like I, I literally haven't read anything but LGBTQ fiction. If you look at my um, reading list, that's that's all it is, and I've like sunk so deeply into it. And I'm like, why would I do that if there isn't a part of me that's going? I
2: really,
1: you there's something that identifies with with part of that,
2: mm.
1: and you find it quite comforting,
2: mm.
1: and that is totally okay. You know, you've read more than me, mm. um, but it's preference. You know, we all. We can all like whatever we like. Mm. I think, I think yes, th- you should be able to identify and feel how you want to feel about things, and do ha- you live your life your own way. Mm. Um, but also, you should be able to explore things and not have any kind of limits on that. If mm. it's not harming anyone, you're not doing any damage to anyone. You know, mm. um, everything that we've talked about. You know, we we talked about with each other very, you know, on a deep level. Mm. And um, it was never threatening. No. It was it's... never a threat to our relationship just to talk about these different dynamics. You know, would it change if I was this or more if I was that? It's it's never been that. It's just been a more of a way of exploring and thinking, you know, what does this mean for me? Because mm. that's what I felt as well. What does this mean for me? And, uh, you know, actually, it's... it's it's really healthy to do that in a relationship is just to question certain Mm. dynamics Mm. and actually just just to feel more reassured that yeah I love this person for who they are not what they are you know Mm. and to have an interest in something that matches something within you Mm. that's quite queer Mm. is fine
0: I think I'm very much in that. There's a part of me that wants to know what I am, who I am.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But I haven't figured that out yet.
2: But and that's I'm okay. Having to,
0: and I'm having to remind myself that it's okay to be in the questioning side. It's yeah. okay to not know.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, it would be nice to be able to go, this is who I am when you introduce yourself to someone. But I genuinely don't know.
1: And I think, like, if you look at any kind of culture and any type of group of people, you know, what they do affects how they they live. You know, for farmer, they live a very farmer life. Mm. Um, they work a lot of the time, you know, and or you know whatever you're doing, whether it be work or, you know, it, I think we always talk about what our passions and things that we are, are dear to our hearts. Mm. And that's just, it's no different from LGBTQ people mm-hmm. to someone who likes football mm. because it's something very dear to them and very it's innate. It's that you're very passionate about because it's part
0: of your identity. Yeah,
1: and yeah. you know, we don't we don't say people shouldn't like a particular football team. We might not like the football team, <laughs> but that's fine. But, but but you can still enjoy that mm. and be proud of it. And, you know, want to talk to other people about it and, and, you know, fantasy football and do management and all sorts of things, the whole things that come with it and be really in, enthused about it. And um, it's the same, uh, same with, with part of identity of, of who you are. And people say, oh, you, sh-, you know, you shouldn't... There's this kind of myth that you shouldn't make it. your, shouldn't talk about everything about that. And, yeah, admittedly, you can seem seem to be single-minded but when it's something so passionate and close to your heart mm. it's just you know it could be just wanting to hear about somebody else mm. that's similar to you or has of interest with you mm. it doesn't change when you know when you're lgbtq you can still be interested in history but also actually interested in queer history mm. and, and you, know, do you know what i mean there's a kind of i think we get the intersectional crossover with a lot of things and mm. people think it, because it's something that's, you know, thought of as new, that it's there's something inherently wrong about it. Okay. But you know,
0: not new. It's just new to be talking so openly about it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And people, you know, they don't have to understand. I don't have to understand football to know that someone else loves it, yeah. and I can happily have them love it and enjoy it. Yeah. And it's the same with. I think
0: it's that whole thing about being a part of something, though, isn't it? So, Mm -hmm. taking that analogy, if you are starting to get interested in football, you might feel like a bit of an imposter. coming in because you don't know as much as everyone else you haven't been as passionate about it for as long these people have been lifelong fans and you're just coming in and yeah and you don't know whether you fit there and i feel very much that way when it comes to lgbt stuff I've, i've i've long been a supporter from the outside and now i'm going can i come in because i think i might i might fit in here but there's so many people within it who are very very secure and sure and they have known since they were children or teenagers that they have had this attraction to these people and that they were different and mm-hmm. and and that brings i'm not i'm not saying that that doesn't bring that has no. brought so many challenges to them and i've lived a very privileged life being able to go through my life going i'm i'm straight that's you know that's who that's i right. am but i'm now coming in and going i don't know whether i belong here because i don't honestly know who i am and all these people they know exactly who they are
1: but that's 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 a myth no i know it is i know it's a myth (laughs) because because you will get people who are very um strident and they know but because they know they're able to say about it Mm -hmm and they're able to to announce it but and, that
0: forgets that they they've also, but got also to this.
1: It's, it's not it's also if you're in a privileged pos- position for whatever reason you might have a, a really safe job you really live in a safe area mm-hmm. you can talk about these things mm. if you're free to talk about it mm. whereas someone who is not in a safe area and is not in a family that would accept it for mm. example it's harder to to do to do that mm. And it's hard for them to be who they are, mm.
0: you know. Um, yeah, and I'm not saying that people in the community have said, "Oh no, you're not welcome." I'm saying uh, this no. is my yeah fear absolutely. coming out.
1: And, and this is this is the true truth with most people. I think that there's always doubt, mm. and if people say there's no doubt, that, that's that's never true. I think there's people are always they are free to doubt things mm. and to. To question and to to, to actually think it's actually safer to doubt and to to question things Mm. um, and you know and push things to a higher standard Mm. because by questioning something whether it's your religion what your government's doing what you you know or even just on an emotional level how do i feel today how should i feel today should have and so on you know it, it it helps Um, build foundations on it
0: Hmm. I think that's a good place to end we've gone over the hour mark (laughs) but we're ending on the the idea that it's okay to question
2: yeah
0: it's okay to be in the questioning uh, stage yeah however long that lasts that's where I'm at Um, I don't know if or when I'll ever figure out what my identity is
1: but also it it's actually okay does it matter yeah if you don't
0: at the end of the day I'm in a loving relationship committed relationship and that's what matters to me
1: yeah love you love
0: you alright then uh, we're going to end this here and um, I don't know what we're going to talk about next time you've got any ideas
1: no it will be to, to be confirmed. <laughs> to be confirmed, yes. <laughs> As they say. Let
0: us know uh, what you thought to this uh, podcast. I know we've rambled a bit and gone all over the place. Um, if there's anything that spoke to you or you felt um, connected to, let us know. You can catch us on Twitter. I'm at a spiral dance and Thea, you are...
1: Thea Shortman. At Thea Shortman. And uh,
0: yeah, let us know what you think, and we'll be back again next week with some unknown topic.
1: Thank you, and uh, please come again.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Bye for now. Bye Bye.